Reading, short and deep. Hi, I'm Jesse, and I'm Eric. And today we're reading short and deep. Keep your shape by Robert Sheckley. This is first published in the November 1953 issue of Galaxy Science Fiction. And I am a big Sheckley fan. I read a lot of his novels. I've read a lot of his stories, although he's written many, many, many stories. This is, I, I, I would class it in the top of many of his good stories. Um, so I'm very pleased to be talking about it. But when I suggested it to you um, a while ago, I didn't know that I would be thinking about it the way I'm thinking about it now. Um, so in rereading it again, um, I was like, wow, this is actually quite profound. <laughs> it's not just a comedy piece. It's quite profound. Is, uh, did you find it to be profound? Ah. Uh. <laughs> he's a comedy guy, right? I mean, he's very funny, and I laughed out loud uh, twice. He does I write satire, giggled. and and sometimes I think his satire is as as brilliant. Um, he has a small book, short, I mean, in length, called Options, that I think is wonderful and typically ignored. Um, however, for one of two possible reasons, I didn't find this to be profound. I found it very well written. I enjoyed it. It brought me back to my youth. This was published in 1953, and I probably started reading Sheckley oh, around 1956, um, when I would have been 10. Um, I grew up reading his stuff and, uh, and, and ultimately got to meet him, liked him. Um, this story, as I say, there are two reasons that I think I don't find it profound, uh, but I am interested that you didn't at first, and then you did. So mm -hmm. uh, how about if uh, one of us sort of gives a sense of what the story is, and then uh, I'd love it if you would tell us how your reading evolved. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you do the story summary if you can. Um, I've got a, I've got a number of thoughts about it, but I, I, I when I say it's profound, I don't want to make make it sound like it's boring because it's it's the opposite. It's super entertaining, really funny, and fun to read and fun to think about. Um, so, Jesse, my friend, I never think of profound as inherently boring. I, I, th uh, I, I, you know, I think some people. S you say you should read this <laughs> and I'm like no 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 now I don't want to read it because if I should read it then it's going to be good for me it's going to be bad right this is the opposite it's fun to read it's not boring and it's interesting and I, I, in, in thinking okay I'm going to take this as a reading short and deep episode and that means I have to read it deeply not just not just um, enjoy it well that's what profound means of course right right Deep. Uh, so the story, Keep Your Shape, is told with the, it's in the third person. The viewpoint character is named Pid the Pilot. His name is the, the, the first three words of the story. He and two other beings from a group known as the Grom, who are from a planet known as Grom, are, it turns out, the 21st expedition of the Grom trying to set up 
the receiving station by an atomic power source on Earth so that it can connect with a sending station on Grom and allow for instantaneous movement of a million Grom uh, to conquer the Earth because they need room to uh, to expand, that they're having social problems back on Grom because of overcrowding, and uh, they, they just need more space. Our planet seems like a useful one for them, and uh, they keep sending expeditions, and they keep not succeeding. In fact, they don't come back. Well, during the course of the uh, story, we find that PID has been given rudimentary or fragmentary information about Earth that apparently was conveyed back to Grom by radio before the expeditions disappeared. So they really don't know much. They, In fact, they don't know why any of the expeditions disappeared. Were they killed, betrayed, uh, died of a virus? We, you know, we never know. And then the story uh, has to do with the fact that the Grom are able to change their shape uh, apparently in infinite ways. Uh, um, we see the same individual become huge and become small, become a, a vegetation and become a kind of animal and become a bird. Um, they can do whatever they want. But in the Grom, shape goes along with one's role in society. And so um, shapelessness is an evil, and the shapeless one is their word for the devil. Uh, shapelessness is an attractive uh, sin, and there are only eight approved castes, uh, shapes, uh, we're told at one point in the story, but I think that's actually not accurate because we're told that Pid the pilot has four approved shapes, depending upon whether he's molded himself to merge with the controls of the ship that he's piloting or he is standing up or whatever. That would be the equivalent, addressing the two people in his crew with him. Um, so I guess there are eight casts, although they're called mm -hmm. shapes. And the shapes and the casts are sort of equivalent. And anyone who steps out, so what steps, anybody who morphs out of his approved caste is socially uh, evil. And what we find in the course of this story is that the two lower cast crew members uh, sort of get to enjoy the shape changing that they're doing nominally on the way to setting up this uh, receiving station that will allow Grom to the Grom to conquer Earth. But in fact, um, they wind up getting seduced by what it's like to be in these other shapes, as does Pid himself. And so the story ends with Pid flying off as this huge raptor uh, chasing after a hawk uh, who had previously tried to attack Pid when Pid was in the shape of a sparrow. Um, and Pid is thinking quite uh, enthusiastically uh, it'll take me about a week to figure out all of the good things I can do in this hawk-like shape. Um, and then I'm going to find out more things I can do that even the hawks don't know. So it's a very happy, uh, forward-looking conclusion for Pid. Not so good for the Grom. Mm -hmm. Is that more or less? Yep, that's it. Um, I think you're right to uh, to think about the shapes versus casts. The... Uh, I, I was trying to keep track of it, and 
I've got a list of all the casts that are mentioned. I hope this is complete. So we've got Pilot, uh, Hunter, Miner, Thinker, Radio Man, Detector, and Invasion Chief. That's my favorite one. I come from the Invasion Chief cast. Uh, all my fathers and grandfathers have <laughs> Invasion Chiefs. Um, so <laughs> I'm, I'm an Invasion Chief. Um, right. And then each of the casts seems to have an approved number of shapes set down 50,000 years ago by the ancestors. Um, for example, the miners, uh, they seem to only have one shape because um, it says the shape for the miners, and that's what they're upset about. Um, the, the hunters have at least a hunt, one shape, but... Uh, there's a, a mention of a quasi-hunter shape as well, so maybe he was sort of looking a little bit like a hunter in shape rather than whatever that is. It turns out that the, it's probably pretty close to a dog or a lion or something like that, right? Um, I, I, I was trying to picture what the pilot looked like as he snuggles into his controls um, in one of the four approved shapes. It doesn't really, you know, I, I'd love to see an adaptation or a comic strip or something that shows me visually how one could interpret this because it is rather visual this story except i think you've you've hit a very useful point mm -hmm. the viewpoint character right visual the viewpoint character for us is pid the pilot mm -hmm. uh, comical name it sounds like he piddles you know he's just mm -hmm. like little guy who can't control his urination um that viewpoint character, we we see him turn into things, shapes that we know on Earth. Mm -hmm. Sparrow, for example, dog, uh, man. He doesn't work out many of them and ultimately invents this new hawk-like thing. Um, the word Earth only appears after Pid himself decides that he's going to become Earth-like. It's only when he has become a dog and has suddenly smelled all of these smells and heard all of these sounds and been overcome by the richness of the sensory possibilities of being a dog that the word earth occurs in the story. Now, before that, I think it is the case that Sheckley has quite reasonably left this big emptiness in the visual landscape of this story. Because when you say that he snuggles into his controls... That's easy enough to visualize mm -hmm. if the con controls are the kinds of controls that we would see, for example, on in the cockpit of an airplane. Mm -hmm. Those controls would have been built for a human being with two hands. We don't know what the controls would look like, and therefore we have no way of knowing what it looks like to snuggle into those controls. That's right. So what I'm suggesting is that as visual as this story is, there is a wonderful inability for us human readers to visualize Pid the pilot until he acknowledges that he's on Earth, until that word occurs and he's been attacked by all those sensations. So rather than just say it's a visual story, I'd like to point out that I think that the use of the visual and the unvisualizable is very cleverly balanced here. Mm-hmm. He's a, 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 he's, he's a really, he's a really good short story writer. Um, 
One of the things that, just as a motif that keeps coming up in shapelessness, right, um, is just he'll pick things along the the root of the story. I mean, this this story has a plot, which I I don't really care about the you know the thing that they need to plant in the place. What I care about is he set up this situation where there are creatures that are naturally shapeless. That is, they can form themselves into any shape. They don't have a particular shape. Maybe they're amoeba-like or something like that. And they can camouflage themselves. They can't just take the shape of a man. They can take the shape of a man and give them skin color and hair, presumably clothing, right? Because the dogs get fur, right? Um, yeah. So, um, and and when they take on these these qualities, they also take on the... Uh, abilities. So uh, it's not stated, but uh, at a couple points, uh, there's a uh, one of the was it the Gur becomes a tree, or is it um, Ilg? Ilg, I Ilg. remember. One of them becomes a young uh, a young oak, and the other one. Uh, yeah. Anyways, one of them becomes yeah, I, a tree, and yeah. I get the sense, especially seeing when Pid. And uh, maybe it'll g- turn into dogs. That they have all the abilities of dogs. They also have their own mind inside that. But they they now have the sensory data that a dog would have because they have these very sensitive ears and they have these incredibly sensitive noses. And when you're a tree, you're taking in photo photosynthesis and you're t- taking in light, doing photosynthesis and doing tree stuff, right? <laughs> Sapping and I don't know. Whatever else you do when you're a tree, um, so you leap well enough alone. Oh my! <laughs> Sorry, Jesse. <laughs> it's quite all right. The, there is a uh, a becoming when you become these things, and their essential nature uh, is so amorphous, right? That they be in their becoming of that thing, they become that thing in a certain sense. Now, there is a second level beyond that where when he's a sparrow, not only is he enjoying being a sparrow, he's also thinking about his invasion and how he has a duty and all that stuff. But this is where I think I started thinking about what the, what the message is of this story because this is we find out that this is the 21st expedition to try and uh, take the Earth, right? Invade the Earth. They got this stealth mission. Twenty uh, previous missions all failed and mysteriously. They have very little communications as to why that might have happened, but all trace of previous expeditions has failed. And they've set up this twenty-first expedition with uh, Pid, who's a quite, we're told, reliable uh, pilot. Um, the radio man Ilg, who is perhaps less reliable and Gurr who also is less reliable and there's a point in the story when he's Pitt is reminiscing or at least we're going back in time to find out how this mission got set up and the invasion chief is explaining why he sent sort of unreliables on this mission um, I want to read this section this is on page 8 not all Grom feel that way, the chief said. I don't understand it either. All my ancestors have been invasion chiefs. Back to the beginning of time. So, of course, I want to be an invasion chief. It is only natural as well as lawful. 
But the lower castes don't feel that way. The chief shook his body sadly. I've told you this for a reason. We Grom need more room. This unrest is caused purely by crowding. All our psychologists say so. So I guess there's a psychologist cast as well, right? Another planet to expand into will cure everything. So we're counting on you, Pid. Yes, sir, Pid said with a glow of pride. The chief rose to the end uh, to end the interview. Then he changed his mind and sat down again. You'll have to watch your crew, he said. They're loyal, no doubt, but low caste. And you know the lower castes. Pid did indeed. <laughs> and then this is the part that got me. Gur, your detector, is suspected of harboring alterationist tendencies. He was once fined for assuming a quasi-hunter shape. Ilg has never been, has, has never had any definite charge brought against him, but I hear that he remains immobile for suspiciously long periods of time. Possibly he fancies himself a thinker. <laughs> but sir, Pid protested, if they are even slightly tainted with alterationism or shapelessness, why send them on this expedition? The chief hesitated before, an, before answering. There are plenty of, plenty of Grom I could trust, he said slowly. But those two have certain qualities of resourcefulness and imagination that will be needed on this expedition. He sighed. I really don't understand why those qualities are usually associated with shapelessness. And shapelessness is capitalized. And I, I was thinking about... It is pretty funny that they, they've sent 20 expeditions... And all of them disappeared, and now we're going to see why they disappeared, and we find out why. They all basically became traitors to their planet and just decided to live free rather than be uh, confined to the one shape that they were designated to at birth. I don't think we know exactly that. We know that they decided to become a different shape. I don't know if we know that they want to keep changing shape thereafter. Well, they may, they may, but I don't what think... What I mean is to change shape from what they were, what they That's were assigned. That's for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think that um, much as I enjoy the story, there are some signs that it was written hastily or edited badly. Um, one of them is that the, the invasion chief is able to tell um, Pid that certain qualities are needed for this particular expedition when, in fact, we've earlier been told that they have absolutely no information back about what happened to the earlier expeditions. Uh, there, there is some... Uh, there is no, no. In the middle, it says that we had rudimentary stuff, but in the beginning of the story, we're told quite the opposite. And I'd, I'd like to attend to the beginning because it tells us something about what's going on here. Like so many stories published in America in science fiction magazines in the 50s, what we're we're really talking about when we say Earth is white middle class America. And what we're talking about here is for the Grom, the the belief in social mobility, because apparently your body is what you is your destiny. And if you don't want to follow your destiny, you are pushed into that cast by social pressure. The first three paragraphs, I think, are just gorgeous mm -hmm. for setting up the story. So as you did, let me read a bit. Mm -hmm. Pid the pilot. I've already commented on why this is a cute little childish name. Pid the pilot slowed the ship 
almost to a standstill. You notice the, the rhythm behind that line? It's, it's, it's well written. And peered anxiously at the green planet below. Um, this was before that famous Earthrise photograph uh, taken by American astronauts. We can still think of the green planet Earth rather than the blue one. So we already know what this is going to be. In 1953, we know that stories that begin this way, PID, not an Earth name, is going to be coming to us. Even without instruments, there was no mistaking it. Third from its sun. Okay, here we are. It was the only planet in the system capable of sustaining life. Now, clearly that's not true. There's other kinds of life than the life we know, but this is a kind of homocentrism. You know, yay, humanity. Peacefully, it swam beneath its gauze of clouds. This is only seven years or eight years after the end of World War II, and we're in the Korean War. We've just finished the Korean War at the time of publication. I don't know how peacefully it swims beneath its gauze of clouds, but it's a lovely fantasy of what the Earth could be, certainly as viewed by Pid the pilot, who wants to make war. It looked very innocent. <laughs> And yet, 20 previous Grom expeditions had set out to prepare this planet for invasion and vanished utterly without a word. And you see what I mean there? Mm-hmm. Without a word. So what comes later is not actually, doesn't actually jibe with what we see here. But this opening is so beautifully um, homocentric. It plays to the idea that even though in real life America has just gone through two wars, Big ones. Um, in fact, uh, what we have is this peaceful earth, green as a new spring. And those bad guys are so childish as to think that they can win us. You know, they can conquer us. They're going to prepare us for invasion. We know how these stories work. They all work the same way. Ultimately, the aliens fail on the earth. Now, sometimes... Going back to the War of the Worlds in 1898, they failed because they didn't take account of the viruses that are down there. And it's not at all a happy, funny story. In fact, it's a monetary story. Here, we don't get that at all. Here, it ends with just, wow, the Earth will always be wonderful because people with imagination and a kind of inherent rebelliousness they're the ones you need to go to earth that's what the invasion chief states without we think any real justification at least if you believe the third paragraph rather than what he says later um and yet that's the whole point of modern middle-class white america in the 1950s with eisenhower presiding over conformity so this is a gentle rebuke to conformity saying that We are great and we attract the whole world and people want to come here from everywhere because we allow people to exercise their imaginations and become what they want. America is the land of personal reinvention and it leads to individual happiness. Pid goes off on his own, a high flyer. He is instead of being a pilot having to merge with the technology He has become something that is inherently a pilot. He can fly on his own. Keep your shape is the title. The Grom mean keep the shape society wanted you to have. What these three decide is they are going to keep the shape that they find they are comfortable in and can express their own desires in. 
I think it's a terrific opening for the, a story that works overall really well. But as I say, there are a few things that look like it was edited pretty quickly. I want to I want to talk about uh, why why I think this is such a good story. Um, one of the things that I think that makes it such a good story is that the point he's making is never explicitly made, and so instead of being about technology or actual you know prediction of aliens invading the Earth, what he's done is he's set up a story in which he is analyzing human behavior. Uh, projecting it into alien behavior and then giving it back to us as a way of analyzing our own stuff. So uh, I, I can't exactly pin down what he was he was attacking in American society in the 1950s. But I think he there is one line where he 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 points towards it. Um, quite late when Pitt is in deciding that he's going to stay on Earth as a human or as a as a Earthian, if not you know a, in a particular shape, he says um, it's almost as if quote a device cast was a this is my word cast uh, quote a device for political and priestly benefit and. I was like, oh, yeah, that is kind of the point. And you, you, I think, pointed to class mobility. And I think that that's absolutely, you know, this is what what America, you can become anything. We don't have a class system here. But you also have, um, I was thinking for gender, it works too. A lot of people today seem to be uh, saying, you know what? The gender I was assigned was not the gender I was supposed to be. And, of course, this was around in the 50s. It just was far less prominent and far less publicly socially acceptable. Um, or it doesn't even have to be gender. It could just be um, your gender preference. So, you know, there's a lot of religious angles to, you know, this it never says original sin anywhere in here. But we've got the sense that they're, they've got a whole, as you pointed out, their worst of the devil is the shapeless one, right? And um, having... We even a, have that line, we even have the line, shapeless one get from my view. You know, it's... Yes, it's, exactly. Apage satanus, I can get behind me. Right, and on page 8 at the top it says... Uh, we, uh, we've uncovered that new cult of shapelessness, right? So there is right. a secret. There are secret societies within this. Uh, I almost want to say theocratic state that they're coming from, and all their psychologists tell them all their problems will be solved by expansion. Um, it's because they're overcrowded. We're told, uh, but we also learn subsequent to that that they actually have many planets. <laughs> this has never solved it in the past, right? Every time they expand, they just need to keep expanding. And uh, so it's almost like it's a crusade. They're going on the crusades to acquire new land. Um, this is a holy crusade. It has nothing to do with the people over there, right? They're, they're not invading the earth to liberate the humans or to, you know, make them conform to a particular shape. It's all about internal stuff, stuff going on within. And... It's like sort of the issue we have with um, colonizers going to the colonized and going native, right? This was the sort of a 
ideas. Like maybe our system doesn't work. Um, uh, British officers heading to uh, and soldiers heading to India to make their fortune and saying, you know what, I'm not going to be in this system anymore. I'm just going to live among these people as they live. And going native was a, a horrible thing for the, those um, in the company, right? But once you're there, I guess it's not so horrible. This is sort of explaining all of that. And it doesn't have to be about gender and it doesn't have to be about uh, class and it doesn't have to be about any one of these things. And yet it's it's about all of them because the way it it plays out it, that we're told that they are tabula well it doesn't say tabula rasa that's my words but they they start out as shapeless right they're born shapeless and then we're told they they are uh taught their shape by their family so that you know you these are your shapes this is your shape as a young gromling you don't have a, you're born shapeless but you are taught to shape up Right, taught to be a man, taught to be a woman, taught to be a good wife or a good pilot or whatever it is, and throughout their journey, right, they're it's it's like a soldier, you know, not standing at attention. Stand at attention, soldier. Keep your shape, right. So this is a very clever story for um, attacking uh, a serious set of problems, not a single problem, a serious set of problems. From an angle that is not covered, uh, an angle we didn't put a defense structure up. It never says this is all about religion. This is, uh, you know, you can't be gay in our religion. It never says any of that stuff. It's it's perfect science fiction, and that's why I think it's so profound. Is that it? It comes off very light and fluffy, and, and literally there is uh, he's doing all these jokes with clouds, right? Um, the ship. Uh, has a he doesn't call it a cloaking device but it's a cloaking device i'll just read read it here um the ship drops silently towards the surface of the enemy planet gird the detector analyzed the clouds below and fed data into the camouflage unit the unit went to work which is essentially what they do too right the unit went to work soon the ship looked to all outward appearances like a cirrus formation well that's a cloud <laughs> and then later on um uh, he fed data into the camouflage unit, and the descending ship slowly altered into an autocumulus. Then <laughs> it goes down more. The pilot altered his course. He had reached the lowest level of the clouds, barely a mile above the surface of the planet. Now his ship looked like a fat, fleecy cumulus. So he's just going through all the cloud shapes as they're descending, and clouds do have different shapes. They're, they're sneaking in, right? And then finally... Darkness fell, and the green planet's lone moon veiled it was veiled in clouds. This is actually a reverse image of the one you mentioned earlier. Instead of having the Earth being veiled in clouds, the moon is veiled in clouds. It's beautiful. And then one cloud floated lower and landed. <laughs> so it's almost like a War of the Worlds uh, invasion of the Earth story. And it is, but yeah, and you're pointing out, it's not a, the virus that gets it. It's the variety right there is another i i I agree that one of the things that makes the story so good is that it's allegorizable in many many ways and legitimately so Mm -hmm. it really does apply to all of those things that you talk about one problem for me and i i don't want us to take a lot more time with it because i think we both agree that it's a, 
it's a lovely story. It's light and yet, to use your word from when we began, profound. It's also almost, I don't want to call it derivative, Clifford Simak's story called Desertion, which was published in 1944, is enormously famous. And it is one of the two or three novellas that are knit together to make his incredibly famous book called City. Mm -hmm. Uh, Simak's Desertion is about... um, the humanity trying to spread through the world. Oh, yeah, the city is about humanity trying to spread through the universe. Um, in the story called Desertion, we find that one expedition after another has gone out onto the surface of Jupiter and never come back. In fact, they have some magical, the humans have some earthlings, some machine that can sort of somehow sample an environment and change a human being into a shape that is appropriate for that environment. And it keeps, or it's supposed to be able to do that, and it keeps doing that with one member of the crew after another, and they never come back from the surface of Jupiter. So finally, the the commander decides he's going to do it himself, and so as not to do it alone, he goes out into the machine with his dog. And he and the dog are transformed, and they turn out to be what is called lopers. They are low, squat creatures that can breathe the gas atmosphere of Jupiter and can uh, support the the extraordinary gravitational weight upon them, and they discover the glorious colors that come through this gas atmosphere and the smells and the freedom of being able to move. And so they together, the man and his dog, lope off onto the surface of Jupiter and never return. That's why the Earth is never able to colonize Jupiter. I took a look online for City by Simak, and the very first reference I found showed a cover of the book that has on it a picture of a man and his dog. Of all of the really good stories in City, that's the one that the cover image chose. And I got to say, that book came out in 1952. So as much as I enjoyed Sheckley's story, I can't help but think, you know, Bob, it's a little bit derivative. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I, I, I didn't. I, I've read that story. I, I didn't see the connections, but um, I think he's doing something completely different from the angle. And so I, I, I didn't even see it. But I appreciate you uh, bringing that that connection. Well, I guess then that's just a way of saying there's always more to say. And remember, you can always freely access the materials discussed on these podcasts by going to sffaudio.com and clicking on the link for Reading Short and Deep.